As a working mom, I was spinning on my heels trying to be everything to everyone without realizing overwhelm had its firm grip over me. And it's no wonder since we juggle many identities and responsibilities and tendencies to shy away from our awesomeness. Does this sound like you? I believe one of the keys to successful living is activating our personal power. The question is, how do we do this? Join me each week as I uncover actionable tips from experts and intentionally aligned working mums who, like you and me, are on a journey to boost their personal power. My name's Roxana. Welcome to the Personal Power Boost Podcast. So my guest today is a psychologist who specializes in stress and trauma. She has over 13 years of experience and her specialist interest is trauma in early attachment. She's worked in the NHS, the Ministry of Defense and private trauma clinics. She's provided countless people with therapy. She believes that therapy is not about changing who we are, but becoming who we were meant to be before the experience. Now, over the past couple of years, She's taken on the brave and ambitious role of working for an NGO in northern Iraq. She is supporting genocide victims from the 2014 ISIS attack. I am in complete awe of her courage. Please welcome Christina Sandstrom. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Oh, welcome, welcome, Christina. Now, you came on last time and I asked you the big question. Yeah. And what I'd love to know today is just a little bit more about Tell us a bit about your backstory, Christina. I was very, very sociable. My friends were incredibly important to me. Mm. Um, And I spent a lot of time just hanging out with my friends in different scenarios. First, First in the stable. And the stable really made it was a tough environment. You really, uh, you know, I remember falling off my horse when we were in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere. I broke my arm. There was no point telling the guy who was uh, heading up the, the, the trip that it was broken, even though I knew, even though I was young. It was just to get back on the horse and ride home. So you really kind of developed that sense of toughness. And, yeah. Um, and I think that really you know that really helped and we also very in our family which was good we had a very strong work ethic so my parents said to me that I can only have one writing lesson per week but I really wanted more so me and my good friends started doing the paper round when we were 11 and then I managed to pay for another uh, writing lesson So I started working very, very early and then I worked in the company my dad was working in. Um, And then it just really carried on like that. It was always a strive for something different, always a strive forward um, for what what I wanted really. Sounds amazing to to develop that at a young age, that kind of work ethic and the resilience that although probably at the time felt a little bit uncomfortable, but I guess it was a, a big dose of tough love to kind of pick yourself up and keep moving forward. <laughs> yeah, and you know what I think it is, it was also a way of um, escaping things that were difficult. Mm. You know, mm. if you keep moving, yes. uh, you keep striving, you're not really so 
aware of what's happening not not that perhaps that you are as a child anyway I don't know if people are but uh, I think for me that was sort of a way of overcoming that to just mm. kind of keep going and pushing and and uh pushing forward to it sounds like a healthy healthy distraction <laughs> <laughs> it could have been worse it could have been worse <laughs> so when you talked about worth ethic you talk about resilience and you talk about being sociable and and having having really good friends around you how much of that is part of your current life i think it's it's really the cornerstones of my life really i couldn't I couldn't, absolutely, I couldn't do without my friends and family. Um, so I'm very lucky that I have them. I don't, I'm not someone who socializes with hundreds of people. Uh, I'm not really into parties and so on, but I do have my good close friends. And um, so they, that's very, very important to me. Um, yeah. And work ethics, I think, you know, when things are difficult, like right now, for example, um, it is something that it is that strive to kind of move forward and do different things that's still there. It's still there as a part of me. Obviously, it's not there every day. So mm. don't get me wrong. I really have tough days too. So I want to make that, that, that clear. But I think within there, there is a part of me that really kind of strives to do something different and strives to move forward. Amazing, amazing. And I think you just touched on a point that I also believe as a coach, often people think that being a psychologist, being a coach, being a therapist of some description means that, you, you know, you, you don't really have challenges because you've got all the tools that you need. But actually, we're all in the trenches, aren't we? We all have our good days and bad days. And we have to lean on those tools to keep us uh, moving forward. Absolutely. And I think anyone that says otherwise, <laughs> or perhaps not touching into their own difficulties and vulnerability, I, I would go as far as saying, and of course, we have more and less, um, you know, vulnerabilities as well, depending on, on, on our upbringing. But I think that's true. And also, it gives us empathy and understanding for others. Um, it helps us to drop the judgmental bit mm. uh, and to be humans because uh, I'm sure in your job it's the same I would imagine you know being human just meeting a person human to human that is the biggest thing forget all the tools forget the training blah 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 but that's the thing that really is important I think I, I believe so too I believe so too I think that we're on the same page Christina <laughs> <laughs> Now, Christina, in the introduction, obviously, I mentioned that you are working um, for an NGO in northern Iraq, and you've been supporting um, genocide victims from the 2014 ISIS attack. Now, yes. before we go into what you're doing and how you're supporting people, I'd love to know what led to that moment of, of you making that decision and then you acting bravely enough to go out there and put yourself in a war zone. Uh, I, I saw an ad as they were looking for psychologists and they had um, EMDR experience uh, and, and, and trauma experience of working with severe trauma and um, with interpreters and so on. And because I had that experience, it 
from from NHS, and it was my particular um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was something that was very close to my heart, anyway. So when I read it, I thought, hmm, no, I probably don't want to go out there um, because my life was all stable and didn't want to rock a boat. But I could, perhaps could support them with the experience I had. Um, so we set up a Skype call. And I must say, within the first five minutes, I was hooked because they were just so lovely. They were doing such amazing work. And I was so humble with their commitment and just everything that they were doing. Um, so it took me a little while to decide. Um, and then, then off I went, really. Um, I think, you know, having lived in the Middle East, especially during different, a difficult times, the first Gulf War, um, I was familiar um, with a little bit with the culture um, and knowing that things are fairly local um, when things go wrong. Obviously, you can be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm. So I wasn't so worried. Um, and I've always been interested in Middle East and politics. So I had, you know, a fair understanding for how things were um, and to keep myself as safe as I could be. And I trusted the organization to, you know, because they had good security updates and so on. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. So it was, so just backtracking a little bit before you saw the advert and before yeah. you had the conversation and before you were compelled and drawn to go off and sign up what was going on in your life before then because you said that life was fairly stable and um I'd love to know what what was going on for you that then led you to think I'm ready for this big change right well I had left the NHS in 2016 and as I briefly mentioned a, a big part of my work there was working with refugees and asylum seekers um, so that was something that I, I knew I, you know that was that I, I thought I wasn't you know work that I really really treasured um, so what was I doing I was having my private clinic and I was working for a private trauma clinic at that time Right. So it was all, yeah, it was all private work uh, with people who, you know, who were able to pay for therapy, which is great. But I think it was a part of me that always, uh, after I experienced the NHS, I just love working with people who would never be able, be able to afford therapy. It is just, just something about that um, mm. that touched me. Um, so, 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 yeah, things were going well. I was doing that and it was busy and, you know, like it was just moving on. But I, I, I think it was a little bit of a vacuum there and a longing to do something more. It sounds like you had a desire to contribute. Yes. And please don't get me wrong, because I think I have had or I have clients that come to me and say, well, you know, I see that you worked um, withdraw me you know, refugees and, and, and people in Iraq and my problem is not like that and I would really really encourage people to <clears throat> to think about it differently because if you have a problem that that is your problem that's your pain that's your wound and there isn't one injury that's more um, important than another I, I think for me it was about doing doing a little bit of both really um and just being able to help 
people that were in desperate situations because right? mm. I couldn't I couldn't get it out of my head in 2015 when, when Syria erupted that you know if that had been me with my children you know what I would have done anything to get them to safety mm-hmm. um, and I found it I found it sad that the world were you know they were struggling and, and I, I know it's it's big responsibility but I think that was something also that that touched me I think that Christina what you're saying is that you know lots of us see the news lots of us see what's going on in Iraq lots of us see what's going on in Syria and whilst we feel we feel for people and we might contribute in our own way in in the sense of maybe donating or supporting in in a small way there's not many people who feel compelled enough to want to go and physically put themselves in a position where they are directly facing the victims and supporting them and i you know i really want to just press on that for a moment because that's there's not many people that do that and i think that the fact that you were compelled to contribute in that way, I think is um, huge. And I just want to take a minute for you to recognize the hugeness of that. Yeah. You know, I hear, I hear it said to me a lot from where I'm coming from with that is I feel enormously lucky and privileged to be able to have the skills, um, that I have to, to do to do the job I do. It's, you know, maybe I bring help uh, to these amazing people um, in Iraq, um, but what they give back to me, it's, uh, yeah, it's 100 times more. It, it, without a doubt, what you get back when you help is just, yeah, it can't be put into words really mm. well we'll come on to that in a minute so tell me christina when you got to iraq mm-hmm. and there you were given your um area or people that you needed to take care of what was that moment like for you stepping off the plane and figuring out what you needed to do what was going through your mind oh i think i was very very focused on the job at hand uh, you know, how can I set up the groups we were doing? How can I um, set up the therapy? Uh, initially, I was the lead psychologist on the project. So, you know, I had the admin uh, responsibility as well. Um, and then, it, you know, it's the everyday stuff. That's when you move anywhere. You know, where do I find my vegetables? Where do I, you know, where can I buy my stuff? How do I get water home? And, you know, you're just trying to set up your little home away from home. Mm. Um, you, you, yeah, I relied, you know, a lot on my friends uh, to FaceTime me and our colleagues and to kind of keep me sane. Um, at times when things felt a little bit lonely. <clears throat> um, so that's really, that's really what we do. And, and because you so, I was so, so focused on the job, the task ahead of us, um, and getting to know people um, at the center, and just getting to know my way around a little bit. And um, so, so that's really how, 
you just take it one step at a time, the things that are important to you. You know, the yoga mat was out. and uh, <laughs> You learned about the electricity kept going off. So you have to kind of find your time. Otherwise it would, you know, the circuits would, would, would blow. And, you know, you had to learn all these things. Of course, of course, yes. You have to set, your, set yourself up, as you say, set your home yeah. away from home and figure out how to get goods and feed yourself and keep yourself yeah. warm and safe yeah. so tell me about the first time um that you started treating um one of the victims um if you're happy to oh i'd love to know a little bit about them what, what happened to them and then how you were able to support them yeah, I, I think one one of the things, uh, and if I talk in very generic terms about trauma, that is a lot of misconception. We don't actually have to, or, or the person who's been subjected to trauma doesn't actually have to go into trauma in details to be able to, to heal it. So... Um, what we did was was talking about the symptoms that that the person had and persons because it was group and individual um so so we were really i was really very very um focused on symptoms just as i would do back in the uk um and there was the symptoms that we we you know started with um helping really so people can't sleep they can't breathe they can't they are uh, dissociated uh, and is explaining all these things for them that what they're experiencing is a normal reaction to an abnormal circumstance mm. um, that they're not going crazy because this is the worst thing for people they think they're losing their mind Mm. they feel incredibly angry um understandably because that's part of the kind of fight flight system um so so a lot of it where i started doing was was as we call psychoeducation explaining how trauma works drawing things um and then we started doing very basic techniques about breathing, about being in the here and now, about relaxing techniques, mm. using strong smells. Because um, a lot of people uh, actually get so overwhelmed by their emotions and the trauma that they cut out. So they were actually faint. Um, it's just too overwhelming for the nervous system. So we really work with calming the nervous system down. Mm -hmm. And then the next step, if people want to and are ready, I uh, used uh, a technique I think I mentioned earlier called EMDR, which is um, something that's been used in the NHS. Uh, what does it stand for? Uh, eye movement desensitizing pro, uh, reprocessing. So it's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> you can see I was tripping over my words there. So it's basically about stimulating, uh, in, in very briefly, about kind of stimulating uh, and moving things that are a traumatic events and difficult events that become stuck in the nervous system. And it's very, very, very uh, successful doing that. So, so that will that will be the next step. You you talk to people uh, on the person and saying, you know, this is the tool I have. 
Um, and, and I also integrate under other tools as well. Um, uh, would, would you like to? Would you like to give it a go? And some people did. Some people felt that what we were doing was enough. Um, yeah. So you see, you pretty much. Obviously, you, your your working environment is not as cushy as it is at home. Mm. Uh, you're you know you're in a in a prefab in a, near a camp. Um, it's it's the summer. It's incredibly hot. Our air condition was not working a lot, and um, yeah, it's, it's challenging. And then in the winter, it was very very cold. So, you know, you have those challenges as well. Um, um, but, yeah, you know, you just kind of make do with, with, with what you have there, really. So when, when you were treating some of these victims, and I guess with some of them, you were probably working with them multiple times to help them understand the um, techniques, the relaxation techniques or the other EMDR techniques that you were using with them. When were there moments that you could see um, things working, and and when that happened, how did you feel? Oh yes, absolutely. You know, it, it's um, you could see people actually being able to to sleep, being able to function, just being more present. Just uh, the the load on them uh, were uh, a bit lighter. They reported that they got on much better with the family um they were able to go out and, and buy the daily food that they they, they they needed and this is huge to be able to leave the tents mm. and be part of society because the first thing that people often do would when they experience trauma is to withdraw and you know we withdraw at a time when we actually need people the most so when you see people getting uh, starting to connect with others again because that's what us humans are about connection mm. and they start doing that and they're starting to be able to do things that they couldn't do before they're using the techniques and you know it's just amazing to see it's just so so um so gratifying and heartwarming really and, and knowing that you're, you're one of the people that's helping them to reconnect with others again and, and to start mobilizing into living a, a, what, well, a normal life in those abnormal situations, that must have been quite thrilling. Yeah, it's a real privilege to be with someone on the journey back to, you know, back to health uh or back to feeling that they function more uh, in their community uh, with their families you know just just being allowed on that journey is is amazing it's amazing it's a real privilege sounds great so christine i'd love to know what was going on for you personally while you were out there in, in not personally as in in your personal life but in your own mind in your private thoughts were there ever, did you have any tough moments? And if you did, how did you overcome those? Oh, goodness, I had so many tough moments. So many tough moments. Um, 
I, uh, you know, I overcame them by uh, talking to my friends, really. Uh, I had a, an amazing um, friend and um, person who I trained with who works in the very same area. She was incredibly supportive and, and other good, good friends that I spoke to and FaceTime on a regular basis. So they were definitely my go-to um, I uh, tried to do yoga every day. Um, that was a real help. I mm-hmm. had my little resource. We had a great little coffee shop in the area where I lived, like in the little compound. And there were such a lovely people working there and just going in there and sitting in there. And, you know, we couldn't really talk, communicate much. But that was, that, that really helped me as well. Um, just felt like normality I kind of treat to myself sort of things I like the most a really nice coffee so just those really small things um I wrote a diary I try to do that every day um yeah so I I, I think for me I'm I'm not really someone to keep things to myself <laughs> I tend to talk to people um and I, I think that's the thing that kept me relatively sane I'm saying relatively (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like I mean I I I I can completely relate to you in the sense that when I keep routine in my life so whether that's doing a workout whether that's doing my yoga my breathing my journaling Mm. all of those things help no matter what what situation I'm in and I feel that they kind of ground me and if I start and end my day doing the things that make me feel grounded. I tend to be able to be in a much much stronger place to overcome the challenges that I'm presented with. Um, so I think that's, that's learning for our listeners right there, that routine and connection, sharing what's going on uh, with people who, who care and can help um, you just kind of rationalize your thinking is important. Absolutely. It's so, so important and routine, you know, our brain loves routine. And I think at times when things are really difficult and challenging, all these good things that we, we know makes us feel good might go out of the window and, and they do for me too. Um, And then I just have to think, okay, you know, I'm noticing the signs, things are going off rails here. Come on, Christina, just pull yourself back on, on again and do the things that you know helps you. Christina, I'd love to ask you, what would you, what would you say is your greatest achievement? The enormous stubbornness I had um, studying uh, at a you know, long distance when I lived in Bahrain. Uh, the fact that I kind of had this almost dogmatic, I just like a dog with a bone, I wouldn't let go of that. <laughs> uh, it was really, so, so I am proud of that. And, you know, I, I had so many challenges with that. Um, uh, so I am very, very proud of that. I'm also very grateful and proud that I've been able to have very open and frank conversations with my two girls. Um, I feel, feel, yeah, that feels, feels very, very important to me too. Mm. Family, 
family is important, isn't it? I think yeah. that when we can create the conditions as parents where we can have those open conversations with our with our children, I think that feels really special. That does feel like a bit of a uh, a moment of celebration. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What took you the longest to learn or accept about yourself? I think that today is, might be a bad day, but tomorrow is a different day. And things do not stay the same. Things keep changing all the time. Um, I think that's part of nature. I think it's part of the human mind. Um, and I think even things feel incredibly dark and difficult and challenging. Tomorrow is another day. Um, and it will get better. And, and, and also this thing that you, you know, I'm not my thoughts. My thoughts will take me on some really crazy roads. Right. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, and I don't need to believe that. You know, I don't need to believe that at all, what I'm thinking. Um, and and really to connect to you know to my body rather than my thoughts and, and finding a place inside that feels solid and good and, and, and knowing that things will blow over. Um that's probably the thing that I I I really worked on and still and still working on. Um just that when you know we, we never ever stop learning we never stop learning about ourselves and trying to keep humble and curious 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 about life about ourselves and and interested to learn um i think the minute you think you got it somehow you know i got this lockdown there's a time when you think mm -hmm, nope you know nope you haven't at all and then you <laughs> carry on yeah my, my final question was um, to ask you if you could go back in time and whisper a little life lesson or an affirmation to the little girl in you, what would you say to her? But I think you've kind of answered that already with, with your previous answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would really tell her, you know, that things will be okay, that she will find her way not anyone else's, but she will find her own way mm. and that things will be okay. And there is nothing wrong with her, right? Um, I, th I think there's, those are the messages I, I would, would tell her. That there is nothing wrong with her. That's mm. really powerful. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. That she is yeah. as she's meant to be. Yep, that's it. That's lovely. Exactly as she's meant to be, yeah. Oh, Christina, I have loved our conversation. Yeah, you me are, too. You are a powerhouse. I mean, you do so much and you've, you've lived bravely and courageously and I salute you for that. And uh, I, I really do think that you're underplaying what you've been doing quite a bit. I think it's enormous and huge and I know that it's a privilege for you to be able to go and support people who are the victims of... of of war um but i still think that you are an amazing person for feeling compelled to want to go and contribute and make a difference in people's lives and i thank you oh thank you thank you for doing this i think it's and i hope it can help and inspire other people too and i think it's amazing that that you're doing that because i think we, we all need this 
encouragements at different times of our lives. Absolutely. I think for all my listeners listening in today, anybody who's wondering whether or not they should do that thing that they've been thinking about for the longest time, whether it's a career change or relationship change, any other change in their life, I think that if the niggling thoughts are there, then really just sit with them, listen to them, and you'll figure it out. There'll be a way forward. Um, and I think that Christina's story today really inspires me to think to think more bravely about how I'm living my life and to, um, and to really kind of start thinking about how I want to contribute. I think about how I want to contribute, but to actually start doing more mm-hmm. and taking those actions and moving forward. Um, I think giving is living and um, that's when we can feel the most contentment and peace in our hearts, knowing that we, we have a life of purpose and of service. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just, if I may, just add a thing, you know, we can do so much to to help people. We don't have to, to kind of um, uh, uh, travel off to, to, to uh, the other side of the world. We, you know, just smiling at someone, just, just a, a kind word and encouragement, that can be just as powerful. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I think we've, we've all got the ability to contribute in many 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 ways and as you say it can just start with a smile it can just be an act of kindness of any any size really um and but you know your 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 story is I did say it was ambitious that you are an ambitious and courageous and brave lady and I think that that I still stand by Hmm. Thank (laughs) thank you Christina thank you very much Lovely to speak to you. Likewise. I'm Roxana Hussein, and you've been listening to the Personal Power Boost podcast. You can follow Personal Power Boost on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, please go to the Apple podcast and rate and review this podcast. Do join me next week for another Personal Power Boost. Thank you so much for listening.